Woo-wee, call me a sweet maple and tickle my branches like the wind. I am giddy this week, headed to Nebraska. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors and Prime Archery. Um, pretty cool episode for you guys. Selfishly, I wanted to get this guy on here um, just to kind of talk about our property he used to hunt it. So I'm excited. Um, also, guys, get over, check out Apex Gear. They have everything to set up your bow, and they provided a promo code for us. Risky, R-I-S-K-E, and it gets you guys 20% off all their stuff. I mean, they have sights, quivers, rests, anything you need to set up your bow for this fall, they have it. Get over there, save you guys some money, and it's all great stuff. So uh, check it out, apexgear.com. Super pumped. Got got my co-host finally back with me. Um, Jake, how's life been with the baby? Uh, Different. (laughs) (laughs) this Um, is like the first weekend that i haven't seen you yeah it's kind of crazy i feel like we've uh been together almost as much as hunting season which is kind of rare but uh no man it's it's been really really good i mean blessings upon blessings i mean just really cool right my wife and i didn't know we were having Anna and i didn't know we were having so um you know the whole surprise factor she had some complications and stuff and everybody's doing well now. So, you know, adding some additional layered perspective there, but, uh, yeah, man, just awesome. My wife's an amazing mom. It's cool to see her step into that. Um, she's just takes care of things. So I get pretty good amount of sleep during the week and stuff. So <laughs> is, uh, life is different, but really good, man. That's sure. awesome. So gearing gearing up for uh, Nebraska, we leave next Friday. Well, once this podcast drops, this Friday. That yeah, cra- that's that's that cra- crazy. It's nuts. Are you ready? I'm getting there. I got so I'm finishing up. Well, I'm shooting just as much as I possibly can, which I feel like is the most important thing. Um, but uh, yeah, finishing up my last weeks, right? Like I got a pack, a new pack coming in the mail, so pretty jacked to get that in the house we can get that set up the way i want to just kind of checking off my last few boxes before before the trip uh trip comes there it'll be before i mean it'll be here before we know it's crazy yeah literally a week from this friday we leave yeah it's not well think about that like a week from this sunday you could potentially have a dead deer (laughs) (laughs) in that wild Uh, this is this is gonna be this is really gonna throw things off for me, man. Because Anna and I were talking about the other day. You know, fall is like by far right, like the best time of year for a number of reasons, right? You know, I'm a huge college football fan. That doesn't really get rolling. I mean, I guess that gets rolling the week of beef, but like it all levels up times ten October first. But we're doing this like a month early. We're getting to chase deer. Um, plus the whole factor of like road tripping with some guys and like deer campish for five days is gonna be epic. I'm I'm jacked, man. It's 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 uh it's a good time. Deer or no deer, we will have a blast. But what what uh what pack did you get? I got the uh I went mystery ranch and I did the mule. The mule. I'm interested to see it because I saw it. I mean, I checked it out when I was up at Long Range Archery, and then um, I ended up going with uh, 
pop-up 18. So I'm interested. I mean, pop-up 18 is much smaller than the mule, but I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to check both out side by side. I think either. I mean, they're both gonna. They're both great packs. Yeah, I mean, I figure I'm the rookie guy on the trip, so I gotta like offer to carry a bunch of other people's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just I figure I'll probably use it. I mean, forever, right? Yeah. Um, they're they're built so well that um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped. I feel like the, the bigger space though is. I just never know what kind of hunt I'm gonna get into in the future. And, you know, it's a good day pack. Yeah. And I'll be. You know, if it is like a one or two overnight thing, you could almost squeeze something in there. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Oh. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm pumped. I like. I got the cat back on the truck, so my wife calls me grandpa now. So grandpa on it this week, and just nice. been shooting a lot. Ordered some broadheads. Yes, last night. Um, I did the same thing, man. Yes, nice. Nice. Yeah, I ordered mine. Um, there, I got two packs of 150s coming. So, still shooting cannons. And I laced my thumb open last night shooting with my kudu. Just, I mean, absolutely laced my thumb open. Went to, like, untwist it and slipped and, oh, just blood everywhere. I looked down, and my broadhead was covered in blood. My hands were covered in blood, and I couldn't figure it out. And it's on the side of my thumb. I ended up cutting it. I didn't feel it, but... Whenever you, no. you know your fingers get nicked, they bleed like crazy. So. I feel like I feel like you're not really a full fledged archery hunter until you've like just lit your hand up with a broadhead. <laughs> you know, I remember when I first started. This is like high school, so it's a long time ago. My buddies that we had aluminum shafts, we were shooting carbon was like just coming out. And I had carbon, and my one buddy was still like, oh, gosh, you can't shoot carbon. They'll blow up, and aluminum's the way to go. And he had a couple that were, like, hat sort of bent. Oh, gosh. Like, muzzies on the end. And he was, like, on the table pushing on them, trying to bend them, <laughs> bend them back to flat. And he put his hand, like, on the muzzy without even knowing it and just was oh. loose leaning on his arrow but he didn't even feel it until he pulled it off man oh that's like it was buckets man it was gross it's like phil kind of pulled his arrow out of his target the other day and pulled out and shoved his knock into his leg i think i told you that shoved his knock into his leg all the way down to his fletchings pulled the arrow out and realized that his knock wasn't on there and he had to go into his leg with needle nose pliers and pull the knock out of his thigh yeah, he had a big old Band-Aid on there. He was telling me, he said he almost passed out because he just, oh, no, no thanks. I, I believe it, man. But, all right, well, we're going to, so everyone knows, um, every, we're going to try. Every night in Nebraska, we're going to record a podcast and just do updates from all of us. Like, every, we're going to sit around, we're going to record and I'm going to upload the podcast every night just to kind of keep everybody updated. We might try to do a live stream depending on how how the Internet is out there. But um, so you'll be able to listen every day. We'll try to keep them short. But with the guys that are going, I don't think that's going to happen. They're probably going to remain an hour. So you're going to have like six podcasts, six hours to catch up on our Nebraska trip. So um, I think we're going to record on the way out there and just kind of chit chat and do our thing and 
keep everybody updated that way. But um, today we we have an interesting guest for you guys, um, Matt, and he used to hunt the property that Jake and I are hunting um, in in the Paw Paw West Michigan area and. Uh, selfishly, I wanted to get him on here just because I wanted to learn how they went about things out there. And um, he runs another social media site. I think it's called Dragon Deer um, out of the southwest Michigan area. So you guys can get over there. I'm sure he's going to kind of explain a little bit about that and an interesting deer that he had on camera. So um, we're going we're gonna to get Matt on here and kind of let him... To start talking i haven't really ever talked to this guy so it's it's going to be interesting jake that'll be cool i think you know i think the thing to note with the listeners is that this isn't like a cop out session right we're not like we jordan purposely didn't want any intel on this property we have a very intimate we hunted the we hunted it like crazy this past fall without any intel scouted it have done our homework now on our own we have some very very educated good ideas we are still nimrods so we're still (laughs) trying to do this thing out um but i think it's a really interesting like jordan said a really interesting deal right like we're getting a chance to talk to somebody who spent a bunch of time on the same ground um share some insights and and talk through yeah you know And I think we figured it out this last year. Like we know where these big deer are. Obviously, we got some pictures of some good deer, um, and we're gonna be chasing. uh, I'm smiling, but we're gonna be chasing some special deer this year by camera intel. Anyway, I did my last camera pull, um, and uh, before October, I'm not going back in there to touch another camera. Um, So. We'll we'll see, but there's I'm I'm excited. So that's all I'm gonna say. Hopefully we get to share a cool story with you guys this fall. But yeah. So anyway, we're gonna get Matt on here real quick. Alright, so we finally got Matt on the phone. Matt, come off man and just kinda tell us a little bit about you, what you do, your background. Um and yeah, we'd love to hear hear more about you. Yeah, sure. So my name is Matt Field King. Um Born and raised in southwest Michigan, grew up in Kalamazoo County, uh, deer hunted my entire life, grew up hunting the southwest Michigan area as a kid, um, you know, after grade school, high school, all that fun. I um, went to school up at Michigan Tech, so I hunted a lot of UP public land, which was very, very different than hunting the southwest Michigan farmland I was used to, but it was also... A lot of fun, met a lot of other hunters, learned a lot, hunting the big woods, UP style, deer hunting. Um, from there, I moved to Virginia um, and had an engineering job down there, hunted there, uh, moved to Texas, lived there for almost three years, um, learned a very different style of hunting down in Texas and actually killed some of my biggest bucks down there with a bunch of other friends and stuff that I met. Um, and I'm now, uh, I reside back in Schoolcraft, Michigan. So kind of back to my roots, um, design engineer as a, as a day job and, you know, everything hunting I can get into, get my hands on or partake in. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, I started a group uh, about three years ago. It's called dragon deer outdoors. Uh, 
really got passionate about not just deer hunting, but uh, trying to help mentor other hunters. It really started with my wife, um, and it was my girlfriend at the time. Getting her into the sport, um, just kind of watching someone uh, who's never done it, you know, go through all the different phases from learning to shoot a gunner, gunner a bow to, you know, setting up stands and blinds and scouting and, and actually partaking in, you know, harvesting a first deer or, you know, some of my friends, I've been on their first turkey hunts or first squirrel hunts, uh, things like that. So I started a group, Dragon Deer Outdoors, to just kind of promote outdoor mentorship. So when I'm not, you know, doing the engineer job from nine to five, I'm trying to promote that and do the Dragon Deer website, YouTube channel, and social media pages as much as I can. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm trying to. I was checking out some of your stuff. Uh, you and I kind of chatted a long time ago, kind of about a year ago now, because um, pretty unique um, that you used to hunt the property that my wife and I bought. So um, I I haven't been avoiding you, but purposely um, I didn't want to talk to you until after hunting the ground for one year. And I told Jake this, and I told my wife. I was like, I, these guys and the, the guy we bought the property from, um, we didn't ask any questions related to hunting. Um, just because we wanted to walk in with kind of like a clean slate, no, no advice, and just try to learn everything we possibly could about the ground. And then after a year in, I wanted to reach out to you guys to see, you know, kind of your strategies what you thought of the property and what you guys would, you know, see, because you said, how many years did you hunt it? So I hunted it for about 15. Um, okay. and it was not, you know, my, uh, the people you bought it from, I went to high school with their son, played basketball with them. So I hunted it, you know, on a invite kind of basis, but I was involved, you know, pretty much from the time they bought the property, helping out with stuff hunting it, you know, three to six times a year with them um, from, yeah, pretty much since sophomore year of high school to when they sold it to you guys. Okay. So I want to dig into this. So when you hunted it, where, like, where was, like, your I want to be there kind of stand? Um, And just kind of, yeah, walk me through kind of some of the observations that you saw out there. Yeah, I'll take a little dig at my buddy. The uh, the stands that I wanted to be in were the ones they were normally in. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the you know the, the property it had it definitely had a lot of it had a lot of good stands. So the main way that they um, I guess hunted it the last five years, and I would say probably the most consistent and successful hunting was they left a lot of um, they left a lot of the middle as sanctuary and they would get a lot of south to north movement um, so there were a few stands on the south side um, there was one right by we always called it the creek turn stand but there's that yep. stand right where that creek takes a kind of a 90 degree turn yep. um, that was that was always a really a really good one um, you would pretty much always see deer. You would see a lot of deer. Um, and just kind of from the, 
numbers that you would see, um, especially as the rut started coming into full swing, um, you would definitely get a lot of bucks moving um, from the south to the north there. Um, there was a couple other stands along that side, um, along that southern side, tucked back in the thick stuff a little bit, I guess closer to the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, a lot of those stands, and I mean, you probably know where most of these are. They weren't all the way on the southern border. They yep. left a lot of, I don't know, maybe the last 30 or 40 acres of sanctuary too, and then the middle. So you would, you would just get a bunch of, of movement right, right there along that, you know, last, uh, two thirds of the property in. Um, so those stands were, were really productive. Um, those guys, myself included, um, we, we shot deer every year out of some of those stands. There were also, I guess, depending on the wind direction, trying to keep wind out of those sanctuaries. So, and particularly out of the middle, um, there were a couple stands just outside of the main big food plot, that main big clover food plot. Yep. There was a few tucked into some really thick, nasty stuff um, that would be really close to edge of bedding, kind of start of transition zone going to that main food plot. Uh, the, the biggest buck I killed on that property was from one of those stands in 2016. Um, the food plots were good too. Uh, that little one really close to the building, um, that one, uh, usually always had, if somebody didn't see or get a crack at a buck during the rut and daylight there, we would almost always have pictures and regret someone not sitting there. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of deceiving being that close to the building and the road and stuff, but that was also always productive. But in general, that was kind of the way that they hunted it, the way we hunted it, um, focusing on a lot of north to south movement, keeping the middle clean and hunting more the perimeter, you know, two thirds of the property. Gotcha. That's, I mean, I mean, Jake, I mean, we did not set foot in the middle of that property. We just didn't. We never, never hunted the middle of it. Um, one thing that we did a little bit different this year is a couple, we set some of those observation sits kind of right there at that creek turn. I sat there a couple times and then along the path there on that self end, um, there was a couple like stands right off that path, uh, about 10, now probably 20 yards, 30 yards um, to the south of, of the main little little uh, path. And we'd sit there and we'd see a lot of movement on the south end of the property. Um, but like you were saying, movement from the south to the north going into that thick, I mean, that, the property is nasty. It is super, super yep. thick. Um, and then we'd see a lot of um, movement from the east out to the to the fields and crop fields on the west side of the property. So uh, one thing we did a little bit different this year is we hunted the south end pretty hard because... Um, we saw a lot of a lot of bucks on that south side, and they're bedding. There's like a there's a chunk out there that's 
kind of it's like there's bogs and there's some cattails and it's pretty marshy back in there now uh, I don't know if it's always been that way but that's where we're getting all of our pictures of, of big deer now is on that south end now last year like you were saying our biggest deer we had frequently in the food plot close to the barn um, it was like five six days in a row he was he was walking through there and it's it's deceiving like you don't it's almost like you feel like you're wasting a sit going in there but pictures tell you different now i mean looking back um and we got access from the neighbor to the south east so now we can access from his house and we can walk through his field to get onto the southeast corner of our property so nice yeah it's gonna and keep us from blowing anything out of there. And we also got access through the vineyard on the west side to get to the south end of our property, um, which I think is more so the east side than anything because we predominantly had a west wind or northwest wind out there. Um, so our access is going to be a lot better this year. Um, also changed up the really big clover plot a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've seen on like my, I posted a couple pictures on social media, but we kind of broke it, broke it down. Um, so the North, it'd be the Northeast corner of it. And on that strip, we left Clover next to that big ladder up in that big beech tree. Yep. We left that all Clover. And then the, uh, that other, it'd be the West end of the, the plot all the way up to kind of where, the spot that run this is confusing runs north and south we planted that into like switchgrass crp grass and then the south end of it we're doing all um like a, a winter type plot so clover um brassicas turnips um some type of pea that we put in there um and then like a big there's a big mixture it's all just winter like winter we got some cereal grain and different things that we're putting in there too so um, I'm pretty excited. Uh, a lot of the deer movement that we saw in that food plot, my wife typically hunted it more so than Jake and I did. Jake and I went back into the nasty stuff. Um, and her, she, her observation was that it was too big because we don't, we're not, we don't gun hunt a whole lot. She does, Cassandra doesn't hunt gun hunt like at all. Um, and just trying to navigate those food plots in order to funnel deer to certain pinch points where we could shoot them with a bow is is kind of our strategy for for this coming year anyway and that access down on that southeast corner that should be really really good um and my one buddy who had the property before he used to always a couple times during the year um he had a climber or a hang on stand just you know where you could see that ag field you know corner beans whatever it was um basically right down in that southeast corner but they never they were never able to access it to go hunting uh from that neighbor's property he would let them retrieve deer sometimes that got back there so he would have to stop all the way down basically the east side to get back there um so he only did it a few times each year but if he didn't get one he usually saw one back down in there so yeah that's a good spot and that's i mean that's i jumped the biggest buck that i've seen out there i jumped him twice kind of in that it'd be the south almost south 
center of the property, but probably 60 yards off of the furthest cell, like our property line. Um, I jumped him twice. And then Jake, you saw him once, didn't you, Jake? Yeah, man. So you probably know the stand, Matt, but there's a, there was like a, a ladder. There's two ladder doubles. Like if you walk the whole main trail all the way back, goes that back kind of food plot thing and then all it kind of hooks around to the left it's the creek and kind of hooks to the east yep off that kind of to the south there's a double ladder stand like right there by the path then there's another one like another probably i don't know 200 yards to the southeast kind of on the line and it's a backs up to kind of some wet really wet area and some thick stuff well when we walk back there, I hop up in that stand. Jordan's going to go a little bit farther to the south and set up. I think you had a hang-on stand. Yeah. And I'm, like, knocking an air. I'm, like, getting my stuff set up. I'm, like, I was a freak. I'm still I'm kind of a freak about making sure all my stuff's exactly where I want it. So I have my bow, like, on, hanging up, and I'm, like, making sure my pack's hanging up, and I'm getting set, and I hear, I hear this grunting and a, t- a racket coming from the south. And all I see is horns. And so I grab my bow. I try to knock an arrow. And I'm looking over my right shoulder. He runs. He's 15 yards away. Stops. Looks right up at me. 100 and, how big, Jordan? 140 inches? Yeah, he was. he's 140 inches at least. Easy. It stares right at me. And I'm like wetting my pants. Like I'm nowhere <laughs> right. As if it was 20 seconds later, I was sitting there with a knocked arrow like on my lap, you know? So totally. Yeah. Band on that one that sucked, but <laughs> I know uh, two of the um, neighbors to the south that butt up to your south end. I think they had eighty. I can't remember exactly how big it is, but they they always did really well too down there on that south end. Um, if he wasn't shooting nice ones of that caliber, he was always texting us that he was seeing them or had them on camera. Yeah, we. I pulled my last card pull. I have a camera back in there, and yesterday I, yeah, yesterday I went back in for the last time before I won't go back there till we deer hunt it. But I pulled the card, and I, I'm pretty sure it's it's the buck that we jumped twice that Jake ran in front of Jake. I, we have a we have a good pretty good picture. I mean it's a, it's blurry but I'm pretty confident it's him. His frame is the exact same. Um his time length is it's remarkable. It's pretty it's it's going to be I mean if one of us if I kill him he's probably going to be my largest deer. Um so I'm excited. I just don't want to share a whole lot about him yet until we get some really good pictures and have it dialed in. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're excited. Um, but all right, so enough about that. Selfishly, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain and just kind of see see where you were at. If, if, one more question about it, though. If if you could have changed one thing about that property, what would you have done different? Um, you know, I guess looking back over that whole 15-year period, one of the things they did you know later or the second half ish of owning it i don't remember exactly when they did it but they logged the property and that's what made it really get 
super thick and nasty in the middle. Um, and that, it took about a year or two to kind of adjust to what the deer were doing to what it was previously, but that was a game changer. Um, there were just a ton more deer, you know, and it's only, what is it? 116 acres. Yeah. It's not, it's not huge, but it's big enough. And then it got thick and nasty enough that they were really holding, you know, both does and bucks. And you could really start to see that progression of older deer, you know, living through gun seasons, um, before, before it was logged, um, you know, early the first half of hunting that property, I mean, we shot a lot of small bucks. Um, we weren't real picky. Um, we then started trying to do, you know, some management stuff and having a few more, you know, restrictions as to what buck you're going to shoot. But, you know, if I could change one thing, it would have been, if you would have logged it right off the bat and gotten that, you know, 50, 60% more super quality deer hunting. Um, that probably would have been it. You know, the way they hunted it, I thought was good. Um, I agreed with all of it. It made sense. We, you know, even though we hunted quite a bit, um, we always still seem to see deer, see big bucks, hold big bucks. So it wasn't like we, the strategy we had, it wasn't like we were over pressuring, um, you know, to a sense where you weren't hunting at all. Uh, so I, I think strategy-wise, it was good, but if the logging could have happened sooner, then I think we would have had that high-quality stuff for a lot longer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, we, Jake and I and Cassandra, we hunted it hard last year, and it still held deer. I think, it, to your point, it's just so thick that these deer could run 40 yards and lay down, and you would never see them again. It's, yeah. that, it's that thick. Like, I just feel they they feel so secure in there that if you bump them, they're they're gonna be right back in that same area. I mean, I bumped that the big one twice out of an. I mean, he might have been in his same bed, but if not, he was within twenty yards of the first bed that I bumped him out of, and it was like a week and a half later that I did it. So he was just running a big circle and coming right back in there. So the key is just not bumping him enough that he does a big enough loop where he's running onto a neighbor's property and getting shot. Yep. So anyway, Jake, do you have any more questions for him about the property? I do. My last question, okay, there's – I basically wasn't the best decision in the world, but I climbed up in one of the sketchiest stands <laughs> I've ever been in my life. <laughs> And I'm pretty certain you're going to, hopefully you know what I'm talking about, but on the, on the west side, well, the creek, okay, so you go straight back, right, straight south of the main trail, past the big food plot, and there's a creek, right, with a big culvert that's put in, trail goes over the top. You, yep. like, go just straight west, out of the creek, there's, like, a Mondo beach tree with this, like, I mean, they don't make Lawyers aren't make let, allowing tree stand companies to make lawyer land stands as high. There is a wicked high. I bet it's thirty feet. Yeah, it's up and, there. Oh, you probably, do you know what I'm talking about? Gosh, I don't know if I do or not. I don't think I do. It's okay, not well, the one on the food plot. It's not. No, not the last. no it's not. Yeah. not the one on the food plot. Similar style though. It just feels way higher. Something okay. must have fallen on it. So the ladder about midway up is like bends way in 
Oh, yep. I know which one you're talking about. It's I'm like climbing. 10 yards off the creek. Yes, cliffhanger style, like, backwards, upside down to get up to the platform. <laughs> it was sketchy, and it was, the what was it, Jordan? It was probably the windiest night, oh, the windiest yeah. day we were out there. We are watching trees tip over. Um, <laughs> it was crazy, man. I saw a couple nice bucks to the west, but never had a shot at anything, but it was dicey. Yeah, I went a few times, and I usually opted for uh, a different stand of that area though i feel like is is gonna be really good and, and there's um there's that one one of my other favorite stands um i shot a pretty nice buck out of if you're walking just down the main path um you get to a point where you're you're big main clover plots on your left and there's a trail that goes back um to the west yeah back kind of to the, it leaves back in there and you cross like a little bridge over it's not even really the creek it's just a ditch and there's a pretty short ladder stand and um just kind of a you know tree with multiple trunks um, yep. that was another stand that i really liked hunting out of that was kind of a go-to one of mine yeah so we just on the east side of that ditch, so right before you cross that ditch, there is a huge uh, scrape and a licking branch. And I had a camera set up over it. And for like seven, eight days in a row, we had like three different bucks hitting it. And our biggest buck was hit, or one of our biggest bucks was hitting that scrape. And Jake and I went in there hung a well we didn't we literally put in a ladder stand probably 20 yards from it and jake sat in it and it was like clockwork i don't want to, I don't want to talk about this <laughs> like clockwork this buck came in and jake's drop away didn't drop away and we oh, don't man. we don't know where his arrow went but that that's a that's a it, it was like the perfect finally i had a chance it was per- like we scouted it. We knew he was going to be there. He showed up. We knew exact. Well, we didn't know exactly where he was coming from, but I was ready. 18 yards, broadside, right where I wanted it. Let it rip. He runs off. I'm like freaking out, right? We just shot a nice one. I freaking fall away rest. Like, didn't go down. So my arrow went who knows where. And we looked and looked and looked. It was devastating, man. Devastating. But we got a picture of the deer, like, Two yeah. weeks later, and there's not a mark, not a mark on it, and we don't know That's where. Good. We didn't find Jake's arrow. No idea where it went. It could be, could be in the city of Papa or township of Papa for all we know. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was gone. But all right, so I want to transition to kind of your property that you're hunting now, your setups, like what kind of hunter you are, you run and gun kind of guy. Um, Walk me through that, and then we're going to jump into this deer that you have a picture of. Yeah, sure. So I have, um, my house is in Schoolcraft. I own 21 acres right behind my house. It's really swampy. Um, a lot of flooded timber. Um, there's a creek system that kind of borders my west end of the property, so there's a big cattail marsh there. So of my 21 acres, I navigate and can hunt probably about nine or ten um so that's 
one piece that I have access to full time. I have another piece um, that's probably my best one uh, up in Kalamazoo. It's another one, small, it's 20 acres, um, but it's situated around a lot of land that nobody else hunts. Um, it's just a transition zone property going between some big ag and actually a lot of residential, um, but there's not many other hunters there, so I see or get pictures of a lot of big bucks um, on that property. And then, so those are my two main private lands that I hunt. Um, and I go out to, you know, my buddy's new property, the ones that sold you the pawpaw property, they got a new piece. So I hunt out there, you know, every, you know, couple times a year. Um, but outside of my main two small private land ones, I have started doing quite a bit of public land hunting around my house in Southwest Michigan. By no means an expert. Um, there's a couple small ones. I guess my strategy as of last year and what will probably be this year is I kind of use the public land pieces by me because they're not that great um, if you want to kill a halfway decent Michigan buck. Um, but I can get public land doe tags that I have been able to. So I kind of use those as my go hunt for some trees and eat, um, try and fill some doe tags on those public lands and save, you know, my backyard 21 acres and another 20 acres for some of the more prime climb stuff. So I'm, you know, I kind of, I follow kind of two different, you know, I follow a lot of the guys on social media um, or I have their own websites and whatnot. I kind of follow what I like to think of like two different, completely two different styles of hunting. And that's like the, the Dan Ingfall people or like the hunting public kind of guys that are 100% public land. You know, the way they hunt is kind of completely different to like the property managers and developers of like your Jake Ehlingers or your Jeff Sturgis's. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really interested and I love kind of, uh, learning from both of those types of hunters and I'm kind of trying to blend um, I guess I'm by no means an expert in either one but I'm definitely trying to learn how to be a better public land hunter um, and then how to be a better you know, land manager um, on the smaller pieces of property that I have so that's kind of kind of my strategy you know I like the I like the swamp that I have. Um, it's thick it's nasty it's a pain in the butt to get into, and it's a super pain in the butt to get deer out of. But for <laughs> 21 acres, it it's pretty good um, at holding some deer. But you're you're pretty much always going to have an opportunity at something pretty solid for Michigan if you if you hunt it right. And then that other 21 acre, that other 20 acres, um, like I said, the transition zone. It really doesn't hold deer. It's kind of um, one that you if you're there at the right place at the right time you can see the biggest buck of your life or you know you could hunt it for multiple days in a row and maybe see those and fawns and people mowing their yards and other stuff like that um, but yeah I mean I really that's kind of how I've hunted keep my private lands now to prime time and learn as much as I can on public land while trying to 
sell some dough tags and put some meat in the tree too. Gotcha. So, did you were you ever did you ever harvest a deer in the UP? I did. Yeah, I actually shot three. Nice. Up there. Yeah. I've never never hunted the UP. It's tough. It's real tough. One book I shot was a year and a half old six point that I missed twice and chased around for two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I probably have never worked harder for a deer than that buck. Um, yeah, Michigan Tech, where I went to college in the Keweenaw Peninsula, probably has some of the lowest deer densities in all of Michigan. Um, so you would you could go weeks without seeing deer. Uh, and you really were hunting, you know, back in as far as you could be, you know, even away from other boats. A lot of times you're hunting kind of the same one or two family groups of does and, you know, the couple of bucks that hung around. And we had had some pictures of some decent bucks and stuff up there. Um, I never had an opportunity at them. So I shot that one small buck and then I used to burn one of my buck tags, my restricted tag to, uh, to shoot. I shot two does that way up there too. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like I'm a true Michigan hunter just because I've, I've never hunted up there. Fished a lot up there, but never, never deer hunted. So it's hard to walk away from good deer hunting land in Southern Michigan to go up there North of the bridge and, and try to try to shoot some deer. So I don't know. I'm probably gonna get ridiculed for not for not chasing deer up there. But hey, um, how was uh how was Texas? Like, kind of walk me through that. What kind of property were you hunting and and things like that down there? Yep. So Texas um, is primarily all private land. There's really not any public or not very much there's nothing in the area where i was i was in austin um but we hunted down about 40 miles south of austin in an area called lockhart okay um, so we the first year i was there we pretty much leased the guy's backyard um it was actually really strange but it was it was actually pretty good at the same time it was only eight acres and we hunted two you know, corners of basically where his field ended and the little bit of woods that he owned brought it up to some other chunks of timber. Um, so we had two spots there. And one of the things that's completely different about Texas compared to Michigan is you're not, you really weren't hunting, um, you weren't really trying to figure out what the feeder was doing. You, for the most part, set up a feeder and a food source and figure out where you want the deer to come and how you can keep your wind out of where they're going to come from. So it was actually super easy um, to set up feeders, blow your wind across this guy's big, wide-open horse pasture and just hunt the small little block of woods that he owned where a bunch of deer would travel. And we were pretty lucky, too. You know, water's a huge thing down there. Um the neighbor had a big pond that held water all year long. So the deer numbers down there were insane. Um, I saw tons of deer every night, every morning, shot a couple of really nice ones. Um, that one property I shot, one with a bow, two with a rifle. Um, one of the 
was my biggest buck. Uh, would have been a really nice eight point, but I had he almost looked like a mule deer. He had like the tiniest brow tines you've ever seen. Hmm. Uh, after that, we leased uh, another property in the area that was 50 acres, uh, cattle farm or um, you know cattle ranch. Same type of setup had a pond on it, so we positioned feeders close to water, uh, close to some of the bigger connecting blocks of woods, and then try to keep our wind in the more open cattle pasture area. And I shot my, um, I, I guess it would have been my biggest buck. I just topped it last year, but it was a eight point. Um, but he had a big kicker coming off of his base, and he actually had a little two-inch drop time, so he ended up being a 10-point. He was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, another buck with a rifle. So it was different. Uh, it was very different. You had to to keep the cattle or hogs out of your feeders. You had to set up basically barbed wire feed pens that the deer would jump into, and you'd shoot them out of it. So, com- you know, very different um, style than michigan but at the same time it was it was really fun i'm just a, it's a target rich environment down in texas if you i don't know if you guys have ever gone i want to but i mean there's tons of deer tons of hogs you know we were in an area that had some access and we never saw any but yeah. rich environment. they give you lots of tags so it's it's fun hunting down there i do want to get down there i've heard I heard it's a, a lot of fun, and like you're saying, I heard that very target-rich environment. Um, I, I would definitely, I, I have aspirations to get down there, that's for sure. Um, so you said you also lived in, was it Virginia? Yeah. Did you do much hunting there? You know, I tried. Um, I worked for, I was an engineer, a Department of Defense employee for the military, um, so I actually hunted a bunch of the little bases down there, um, which was not very good. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it was, it was kind of cool. One of the bases that I hunted most often because it was closest to my house was a Naval Air Base. So it, it was pretty much like a free air show every night of F-18s landing and taking off and flying patterns and stuff, but it could not possibly have been louder um, hunting environment having fighter jets flying over your head so it it wasn't very productive but it was fun um, and then meet the guy um, that hunted the naval bases too and we became buddies and he had a piece of property uh, a little bit outside of the area where we were that um, it's a big farm and he had access to shoot antlerless deer only so we would go down there and shoot does just to get some off this guy's farm. Okay. So that was, I, I didn't do a ton, or I guess didn't have a ton of success down there, but it was still cool. Gotcha. So you've had like tons of, tons of experience, like all over different, different like agricultural. You've seen it. It sounds like you've kind of seen it all. Yeah. Yep. A little bit, I would say. Any, any aspirations to get out west? for sure yeah i would love to um i went for a work trip just uh was it last october to um fort collins colorado and 
driving around out there, it was, I mean, there were mule deer everywhere. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen so many deer just in people's yards along the road. Um, yeah, that was super cool. But mule deer and elk are definitely on my bucket list at some point. Um, I don't know exactly when, but mule deer elk, uh, I'd really still like to shoot a Texas axis buck uh, after seeing some of those. And I don't know if you guys have ever had it, but that to me is hands down the most delicious venison or you know, yeah. you consider that venison that I've ever had. So I would really like to tag one of those someday. So those three things are kind of the top of my bucket list at some point. Yeah, I've Axis deer is definitely on my bucket list. I've heard that same thing that the meat is unbelievable. So I'm I'm that that's on the list. I'll definitely get down there one day. Uh, Jake and I are headed out to Nebraska next Friday. Um, to chase some muleys in velvet so nice it'll be jake's first time first time out west hunting deer so it'll be fun to fun to chase them around um all right so i want to jump in to this post it's kind of gotten a lot of attention on social media um for a while um you posted i was it was a video correct yeah, I made. I originally posted just the the main trail cam photo that I got of this buck, where I, where I really noticed him. Um, that got a lot of attention um, on some of the pages I shared it on or my page. And then I made a video um, just because there were a lot of people, and I I get it. A lot of people were skeptical of whether or not it was a photoshopped photo or not. So I made a quick video and I pulled together. Um, a bunch of trail cam pictures I ended up having of this buck and just posted that, you know, to show people that, that he's, he was real. He um, is, he is real. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. So I want you to kind of explain it to everybody. Yeah. So I got the first photo that I noticed this buck was, uh, early May of this year. Um, I had a camera set up right along the transition line of my woods um, where it meets that cattail marsh because it's just a big trapper rabbit all the time. Um, and I kind of just wanted bucks to come and go. I hung a camera high up in a tree just pointing down at this trail to just kind of take some inventory and see what was in the area. And I got a picture of this buck, and he has a giant hole in his right side. If you're sitting on his back, it, his right side um it from the photo looks like it's the size of softball um and it you know the best way to describe it and what a lot of people had said on social media was it it looked like i had printed off a picture of this buck and shot it with like a pellet gun or a 22 like it it looks like a paper torn bullet hole but it's just right in the side of him so that that was the original photo that I posted and that kind of got, you know, sparked the attention of, of, you know, people on online. And after I got that one, I started going back through some other pictures I had, you know, I think I put cameras out in March. So I started going back through all of my pictures and I actually had quite a few pictures of this buck. I had just never really, never really noticed. 
10, maybe 15 photos of this buck. The majority of them being from May till early June, I would say. Um, and then once he kind of got a set of antlers that I could distinguish and I could tell him, you know, apart from some other bucks um, outside of just his wound, I've gotten a few other ones. The last one being July, like, 15th or 18th-ish. Um, and he appears to be fine. Uh, he's His rack is normal. He looks like he's a, a really nice eight-point. Um, definitely for, you know, what I'm trying to shoot behind my house, he would definitely be on my hit list. Um, but he's healthy body-wise. His wound looks crazy, but it doesn't seem to be affecting him. And his antlers are, you know, symmetrical. It literally so, looks. It looks like you could literally put your hand in there and massage his heart. That's yeah. what, <laughs> it's. It's like that big. I mean, this. I'll, I'll probably post a picture with the podcast, and I think I might use this one because it is incredible that these this thing is still alive. What, I know. Whatever it is, but it's. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it is crazy. I'll have to send a picture because I was trying to explain it to Jake earlier um, about this, the size of the hole in this deer. And I wonder if it's actually into its chest cavity or if the hair is just kind of, like, gone. I don't know. It almost looks, yeah. It, you're right, though. It looks, like you sh- it looks like someone shot it or, like, punched a pencil through this deer like showing someone this is where you shoot a deer and you poke it with a pencil yep it's crazy uh, uh, and he's he's turned out to be a decent buck yeah yep he he's the biggest one that i've had on camera thus far and i, I haven't checked i'm i'm probably going to be like what you guys were talking about on some of the cameras you put on the south end yeah. Part of me really wants to go out there and see if I've got any more pictures of him and what that wound looks like, you know, in a full summer coat and kind of not that transition from like winter to summer coat um, and see what he looks like. But I'm leaning more towards I'm not going to go back there till I hunt. And then the next time I walk by some of those cameras during hunting season, I'll probably check them. Um, but yeah, I mean he's he's big. He's just a I don't know if he's a two and a half or three and a half year old. Um, the last picture I had of him in July was, and I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, was pretty blurry, but he's a good buck. I mean, for this area and my 21 acres, he's he's a really good buck. What's some of the, what's some of the crazy things that people were telling you happened to him? I mean, there was a lot of the, you know, this is sort of challenged. Um, there were people that, you know, said this guy just printed a picture out and shot it with a pellet gun. <laughs> um, the one, my favorite one was somebody asked if, if the, I thought the deer had been shot with a paintball gun. And I was like, absolutely not, because I've never seen a threat to anything one, or they don't. It'd be pink or green or neon orange or something running around if somebody shot it with a paintball gun. <laughs> it's, um, it's crazy. Uh-oh. It looks like you can actually see, like, where the hide of this deer was pushed in and then, like, blown back out. Because it's like a hole, and then you have a bunch of lines coming off it. Like, 
like something with like some percussion hit that thing. Yep. My guess That's, is it got shot and it somehow missed the heart and maybe caught one lung. Cause that, I mean, that's a pretty substantial hole to be like a 22 or even like a, I mean, I could have got infected from a, with a, with someone shooting it with a bow or something, but cause it looks like almost his that, whole front, that, front shoulder swollen too. Matt, is it, uh, you get, did you get it on video? Is it like walking okay and stuff? I tried. Uh, after I got that photo and I put a bunch of those cameras on video mode and I never got I never got a video of him um, and then a lot of the later pictures I haven't gotten a photo of that side since gosh probably late May once I could tell like which buck he was by his antlers you know, I was getting a lot of photos of him, but it would be his clean side. And his other side, there's nothing wrong. He looks completely normal. Um, so the later, like late or early June till that last one, mid-July, were all on his clean side. But I could tell it was him just by his rack. It's not. Yeah. I just sent you a picture of it, Jake, so you can check it out and see this deer. Because it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> It's wild. Dude, it's this is this is my prediction. He's you're, that's kind of cool. You didn't get him on video because it's gonna be fun when he comes like walking in sideways and backwards or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Funny when you get to shoot him this fall. Yeah, I, I nicknamed him Zombie. There was some bunch of people were posting Zombie Deer, Zombie Apocalypse stuff. So I was wow. Uh, to be a fitting name. That's crazy. All right. Zombie. Yeah, yeah, there's a you know a lot of people. I mean, tons of people chimed in on what they thought happened to him. Um, you know, a sharp angle from an archery shot that like skinned his chest. Um, just an infection hit by a car. Maybe a really big expandable broadhead that just deflected or a shot was too far and it it didn't penetrate. Um, but there's a guy I work with um, he actually uh, runs a place called Bear Creek Ballistics I don't know if you guys have heard of that but he makes a bunch of custom uh, 450 Bushmasters um, he's really big really 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 big gun hunter makes his own custom ammo and I showed him that picture and what he thinks happened what he was saying was with a lot of people switching to the 450 um, he's seen a lot of deer that were crippled, wounded, not recovered from guys taking really close shots with factory ammo that just fragmented way too quickly. Hmm. So that, and my initial thought was maybe someone in my area was cheating and was using like a 223 or 22, or some real super fast light varmint rifle and was trying to shoot deer and had a bullet that just rapidly expanded on the rib cage or just barely inside of it made this massive flesh wound but got no penetration so those are kind of the two i guess that i think happened but again i it's all speculation just on that phone bill so i'm gonna i'm gonna make a prediction i'm i think you're gonna shoot this deer and you are going to find 
in either a broad head in that front shoulder of a big expandable. I think his yeah. I think his front shoulder even up towards his brisket is swollen, and I think someone probably shot a quartering away shot, hit that shoulder, and it deflected and went up and didn't even get through the shoulder, and it's stuck up there oh. in his front front brisket. Because just by I mean this pitcher he's walking forward, so it, his his shoulder's going to push forward a little bit, but it looks significantly even bigger up up closer to his neck. Is what I'm seeing, but I, I think that's what I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to kill him, Matt, and then we'll all and then we'll all figure it out because he's either gonna have bullet fragments in him or he's gonna have a broadhead stuck in him. Yep, I mean he's on the hit list. That's my goal for sure. That's crazy. Easy to identify if he walks in with that right side first. And I've been joking with people too. Like, that'll be the first year I've ever seen with a bullseye right where I want to aim. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's so true. It's it's crazy. These things can live through a lot. My Cassandra shot a deer back. Oh, it'd be like four or five years now on Thanksgiving behind behind my parents' house, and uh, oh, it got a lot of echo. Um, she shot it, and we cut the back straps out of it, and we cooked them on Thanksgiving. I mean, it was like shot it in the morning, cleaned it, and we were cooking back straps that night. My sister-in-law bit into it and pulled out a huge shard of glass from someone's uh, uh, lights on their car. Wow. And this deer had zero injury, might have got hit at a, I mean, she was a mature doe, hit when she was younger, and glass shoved up in there somehow, and we pulled it out, and it was it was a piece of someone's headlight was literally <laughs> gr- stuck in her back back strap. It was crazy. That's crazy. They're tough. They are. They're tough, man. But all right, Matt. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to meet up sometime and have some coffee, and maybe even you come out and check out the property and see what we've done with it, and walk around and maybe help me track a deer or jake track a deer this year yeah absolutely i'd love to give me a call anytime i'm not far from that piece of property so if you guys need a hand or just want to meet face to face and catch up that'd be awesome sounds good matt we're gonna hold you to it um that's a wrap guys um we appreciate you guys tuning in this week some big news coming from cassandra and i uh we are expecting our first child which um due in march march 8th i believe it is so timed it perfectly around the hunting season we have a couple months to warm up to you know getting used to having the the little one running around and then uh hunting season will kick off so uh i'm very proud of myself i pat myself on the back because uh the timing couldn't have been any better um but we are super excited super blessed um Thank you all for those with the prayers and sending the thanks and everything. We appreciate you guys. Um, So, yeah, that's a wrap. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, you guys can keep up with us. Our Instagram stories uh, are at Risky Outdoors. Um, We head to Nebraska on Friday, and we will start hunting on Sunday. They're opener, chasing some muleys in velvet. So 
keep track with our adventures there. And we're also going to try to record a podcast every night of the adventures that we're, we're having out there. Um, just kind of a roundtable discussion. There'll be anywhere from six to eight of us on there. So who knows where it's going to go. Um, I hope to upload them while I'm out there, but we'll see. Um, it's just depending on the Wi-Fi situation. So as always, guys, thank you. Stay stealthy and strive to become a Nimrod. Nimrod.